6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Welcome to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher is Chuck Missler, connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. In today's study, Chuck continues his teaching on the book of 2 Chronicles, chapters 24 through 28. Moving on, verse 24. For the army of the Syrians came with a small company of men, and the Lord delivered a very great host into their hand, because they had forsaken the Lord God of their fathers. So they executed judgment against Joash. The Syrians came up with a minority group and were able to subdue a very great host. Why? Because that was God's will to judge these people. And when they were departed from him, for they left him with great diseases, his own servants conspired against him for the blood of the sons of Jehoiada the priest and slew him on his bed, and he died. And they buried him in the city of David, but they buried him not in the sepulchres of the kings. So the pre Jehoiada the priest was given honor, honorable burial. Not so for Joash. Not a winner. Not a winner. And these are they that conspired against him. Zabad, the son of Shimeoth, an Ammonitus, and Jehozabad, the son of Shimrith, a Moabitus. The names of these two assassins, which by the way are also listed in 2 uh, Kings, uh, added they were an Ammonite and Moabite. This is probably his way of blaming foreigners for the deed against the anointed son of David. You see, that would have been, it would have been unthinkable for, no matter how much they hate him, to kill an anointed son of David. But the way it worked out, Foreigners did it, so they don't fall under those kind of traditions, obviously. Anyway, now concerning his sons and the greatness of the burdens laid upon him and the repairing of the house of God, behold, they are written in the story of the book of the kings, and Amaziah his son reigned in his stead. And so with that, we now go to the next king. We'll go to chapter 25. We've got roughly a chapter per king here. We've got 21 kings. We're going to have more chapters than that because we've got a lot to talk about Hezekiah when we get there. Anyway, Amaziah is in chapter 25, and uh, Amaziah was 20 and 5 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 20 and 9 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Johadadan of Jerusalem, and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect, or not with a complete heart, not completely. And he did pretty well, but not, full, not wholeheartedly, can I say it that way, maybe? In fact, one of his first official acts will be uh, avenging his father's murder. Verse 3, Now it came to pass when the kingdom was established to him that he slew his servants that had killed the king his father. But he slew not their children, but did as is written the law in the book of Moses, where the Lord commanded, saying, The fathers shall not die for the children, neither shall the children die for the fathers. But every man shall die for his own sin. And that's in Deuteronomy 24, 16. It was a basic principle. And uh, so it, in that sense, he's, he's honoring the, the constraints that are imposed by the Torah. So this implies he, he's going to turn out to be a moderately good king here. 
Moreover, Amaziah gathered Judah together and made them captains over the thousands and captains over the hundreds and according to all the houses of their fathers throughout all Judah and Benjamin. And he numbered them from 20 years old and above and found them 300,000 choice men able to go forth to war that could handle spear and shield. So he's strengthening the military here, getting it organized. He hired also 100,000 mighty men of valor out of Israel for 100 talents of silver. Now Israel is... That, term here, of course, is referring to the northern kingdom. Many people get confused because the word Israel can be used for the whole nation. Here it's being used for that northern kingdom. Judah, that's why I try to use terms northern kingdom, southern kingdom to avoid confusion. You know, the southern kingdom known as Judah, the northern kingdom known as, as, as Israel. But he hires 100,000 mercenaries, in effect, from the northern kingdom, which in many respects is a rival or a competitor for sure. But verse 7, but there came a man of God to him, saying, O king, let not the army of Israel go with thee, for the Lord is not with Israel, to wit, with all the children of Ephraim. Ephraim is the dominant factor in the northern kingdom. And uh, the prophets are... See, Amaziah's got strong interest in military affairs, because he's raised 300,000 men, hired an additional 100,000 mercenaries. And, uh, but this is virtually equivalent to an ungodly alliance because the northern kingdom was in open idolatry. And so from time to time there's peace between the two, but there should never be partnership. The northern kingdom was idolatrous. They did not hold to the, to, to the temple worship and the, and, the, and the Torah. Now the southern kingdom, who theoretically did that, did it very poorly because many kings just let it abandon, as you've just seen. So... Uh, we don't know the name of the man of God here, but he's just reminding him that God is not with the northern kingdom, so why align yourself with him? But if thou wilt go, do it, and be strong for the battle, God shall make thee fall before the enemy, for God hath power to help and to cast down. Now Amaziah said to the man of God, But what shall we do for the hundred talents which I have given the army of Israel? The man of God answered, The Lord is able to give thee much more than this. In other words, he's already paid these guys the, the hundred talents of silver, and so uh, they're, he's going to tell them to go home. They've been paid. They'll tell them to go home, and they'll be bitter. Why would they be bitter? They've been paid. They don't have to fight because they're also after the plunder. Amaziah separated them to wit the army that was come to him out of Ephraim to go home again. You'd think they'd say, well, great, they got paid. They don't have to work. No. Wherefore their anger was greatly kindled against Judah, and they returned home in great anger. Because they've been gypped out of their plunder, in effect. Because it wasn't just the pay, it was the opportunity in battle to, to participate in the spoil. Amaziah strengthened himself and led forth his people and went to the Valley of Salt and smote of the children of Seir 10,000. And so this is probably in the Dead Sea area, as you can probably gather. And another 10,000 left alive did the children of Judah carry away captive and brought them to the top of the rock, cast them down from the top of the rock, that they were all broken in pieces. So they took an additional 10,000 prisoners, but killed them. But the soldiers of the army which Amaziah sent back, that they should not go with them to the battle, fell upon the cities of Judah, from Samaria even to Beth Horon, and smote 3,000 of them and took much spoil. So the frustrated Israeli troops that had been not allowed to participate in, the, in central in Israel, they, uh, they killed 3,000 people and took a lot of 
spoil. And now it came to pass after that Amaziah was come from the slaughter of the Edomites, that he brought the gods of the children of Seir and set them up to be his gods and bowed down himself before them and burned incense to them. This is astonishing. It shows you how fickle the human art is. Here, God gives him the victory. He, doesn't have, he didn't need this extra army that he purchased. God gave him the victory anyway. And uh, he comes back and honors the gods of the Edomites. It's um, bewildering, bewildering. Wherefore, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Amaziah. Can you imagine? And he sent unto him a prophet which said unto him, Why hast thou sought after the gods of the people which could not deliver their own people out of thine hand? In other words, why are you honoring these so-called gods of the Edomites when those so-called gods were ineffectual at protecting their own people? You know, the logic is, is, is people insist upon worshiping the gods that aren't and the demons who are. It came to pass, as he talked with him, that the king said to him, Art thou made of the king's counsel? Forbear. Why shouldest thou be smitten? When the prophet forbear and said, I know that God hath determined to destroy thee, because thou hast done this, and hast not hearkened unto my counsel. The, the king was quick to threaten the man of God. And um, the last words of that prophet is that Amaziah would come to know God's punishment because of his rejection of his counsel. Then Amaziah the king of Judah took advice, sent to Joash the son of Johaz, the son of Jehu the king of Israel, saying, Come, let us see one another face to face. So he's, in effect, ready to war wage war eyeball to eyeball is really what's going on here. And Joash is going to reply to Amaziah with a little parable of his own. Now, this is the Joash, the king of Israel. Not the, there's a different Joash than we talked about a little. There's two, again, you've got these similar names. This is Joash, the king of Israel, the northern kingdom. Sent to Amaziah, the king of Judah, saying, The thistle that was in Lebanon sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon, saying, Give thy daughter to my son to wife. And there passed by a wild beast that was in Lebanon and trod down the thistle. Now, the, the little thistle is Amaziah demanded of the cedar, Jehoash, that he might give a daughter his wife, uh, Thistle's son. And the Thistle's rewarded but for his presumptuousness by being overrun by a wild beast, which in effect is Israel's army, is what they're suggesting here. Thou sayest, Lo, thou hast smitten the Edomites, and thine heart hath lifted thee up to the boast. Abide now at home. Why shouldst thou meddle into thine hurt, that thou shouldest fall, even thou and Judah with thee? And uh, so... He's, uh, he's uh, saying, you know, if you stay home, you won't get hurt. Mind your own business, in effect. But Amaziah would not listen. And so God's going to judge him. Amaziah would not hear, for it came of God that he might deliver them into the hand of their enemies because they sought after the gods of Edom. So Joash, the king of Israel, went up, and they saw one another face to face, both he and Amaziah, the king of Judah, at Beth Shemesh, which belonged to Judah. And Judah was put to the worst before Israel, and they fled every man to his tent. So they got clobbered, in effect. And uh, Beth Shemesh is about 15 miles uh, uh, from Jerusalem. And Joash, the king of Israel, took Amaziah, king of Judah, and the son of Joash, the son of Jehoaz, to at Beth, Beth Shemesh, and brought him to Jerusalem, break down the wall of Jerusalem from the gate of Ephraim to the corner gate, 400 cubits. 
So they humiliated the king in his own turf in, in Jerusalem himself. Broke down about 600 feet of the walls and uh, uh, right near the Ephraim gate. And he took all the gold and silver and all the vessels that were found in the house of God with Obed-Edom and the treasures of the king's house, the hostages also, and returned to Samaria. These temple artifacts were under the care of the family of Obed-Edom. That was the one member that took care of the Ark of the Covenant way back. And these were apparently, because of all the disrepair in the temple, put under their custodianship. And uh, so they returned to Samaria. And Amaziah, Amaziah, the son of Joash, the king of Judah, lived after the death of Joash, the son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel, about 15 years. Now the rest of the acts of Amaziah, first and last, behold, they are not are they, are they not written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel? And now after the, after the time that Amaziah did turn away from following the Lord, they made a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish, and they sent to Lachish after him and slew him there. So he became very unpopular with his people and uh, forced to finally go into exile, but they even found him there and slaughtered him there and brought his body back for burial. And his, his father, Joash, had been assassinated too. So it's pretty dismal history here. They brought him up on horses, buried him with his fathers in the city of Judah, but not in an honorable burial. Okay, we move on to Uzziah. And uh, he does a little better. Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in the room of his father Amaziah. And he built a loft, restored it to Judah after the king slept with his fathers. Sixteen years old was Uzziah when he began to reign. He reigned fifty and two years. That's quite a while. In Jerusalem. His mother's name was also Jechaliah of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah did. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah who had understanding the visions of God as long as he sought the Lord, God, made him prosper. He went forth and warred against the Philistines, broke down the wall of Gath, the wall of Javna, and the wall of Ashdod, and built cities about Ashdod and among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians that dwelt in Gerbal and the Mahunims. And the Ammonites gave gifts to Uzziah, and his name spread abroad even to the entering in of Egypt, and he strengthened himself exceedingly. Moreover, Isaiah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate and at the turning of the wall and fortified them. So he strengthened himself. He's doing well. He's doing well. And he built towers in the desert, digged many wells, had much cattle, both in the low country and in the plains, husband and also in vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel, for he loved husbandry. So Uzziah was really a rancher, a farmer at heart, but he's doing well as a king. He's honoring God, and because he's honoring God, God is prospering him, and he's strengthening the land. Moreover, Uzziah had a host of fighting men that went out to war by bands according to the number of their account by the hand of Jael, the scribe, and Messiah, the ruler, under the hand of Hananiah, one of the king's captains. The whole number of the chief of the fathers of the mighty men of valor were 2,600. Those are the leaders. And under their hand was an army, 300,000 and 7,500 that made war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. So this is... Well-trained divisions, very substantial. And Uzziah prepared for them throughout all the host shields and spears and helmets and harbegians and bows and slings to cast stones. Harbegians is a, apparently a term, for, it most, most people understand it to be body armor. There's a couple other possibilities, but that's the 
seems the, 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 the most consistent consensus. Um, Shirion is the Hebrew, and, and, and the most common translation is for body armor. And he made in Jerusalem engines. We're speaking of war engines here. Invented by cunning men to be the, on the towers and upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows. Visualize those as a giant crossbow. And great stones, catapults, withal. And his name spread far abroad, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. So this guy is doing pretty well. He's got the place strong. He's fortified the place. Um, he's got uh, agricultural prosperity. And uh, he also apparently is very innovative. Help, uh, he's, he's got uh, some advances in military uh, hardware. What do you think is going to happen to him? What's likely to be his, the chink in his armor? Anyone want to guess? I heard it. Right on. Who said it? Pride. Good for you. Exactly. Boy, we all need to realize that there's two times we're vulnerable, when we're really weak and also when we're really strong. And uh, But when he was strong, guess what? His heart was lifted up to his destruction. And one of the things he did, and evidence of his pride, is carried there in verse 16. For he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. You say, well, what's wrong with that? That's just a religious practice? No, 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 no. From the beginning in the Torah, it separates the royal line, which is the line of Judah, from the Levitical line. And they're not to cross. The priests were not to be kings, and the kings were not to be priests. There's an, there are some exceptions to that. One of them is a guy by the name of Melchizedek in Genesis 14. And uh, he would disappear in obscurity if it wasn't for Psalm 110 and Hebrews chapters 5 and 6, where it's emphasized that Jesus Christ is a priest and a king after the order of Melchizedek, in the sense that he combines both together, a king and a priest in one. He's unique in that regard. There are only three people like that in the Scripture. Jesus Christ, Melchizedek, and who else? Us. Kings and priests. Remember, that John points that out in Revelation 1. Peter points that out in his letters. Also, he points out that it's emphasized in chapters 4 and 5 of Revelation. It makes a big thing. I've mentioned it in passing, so you're just sensitive to it. In any case, though, here, Uzziah, as part of his ego trip chose to ignore that proscription and went and offered burned incense upon the altar incense. And that is not a good idea. Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him fourscore, that's eighty, priests of the Lord that were valiant men. These are not just, these are not pet namby-pammy guys. These are, these are serious guys. And they withstood Uzziah the king. And it was appropriate that they do, of course. They withstood the king and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests of the sons of Aaron that are consecrated to burn increase. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed. Neither shall it be for thine honor from the Lord God. Okay? Now, how do you think God is going to keep him out of the temple from now on? He immediately becomes a leper. When Uzziah was wroth and had a censer in his hand to burn incense, and while he was wroth with the priest, leprosy even rose up in his forehead 
before the priests in the house of the Lord from beside the incense dollar. Well, that's one way to keep him out of the temple, because if you're a leper, you cannot enter the temple. So that was, that's Leviticus 13. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked upon him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead, and they thrust him out from thence, yea, himself hasted also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him. And Uzziah the king was a leper unto the day of his death, and dwelt in a several house, separate house in other words, being a leper, for he was cut off from the house of the Lord. And Jotham his son was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. Now many people who fool around with try to reconcile the kings fail to recognize that Jotham co-reigned with him for quite a few years, as we'll see here in a minute. So Jotham, his son, was over the king's house, judging the people of the land. So he's sort of stepping in like a co-regent here. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah, first and last, did Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, write. And so Uzziah slept with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the field of the burial which belonged to the kings, for they said, He is a leper. And Jotham, his son, reigned in his stead. So here's a guy that was doing pretty well. All in all, you, 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 you would label him a good king, but he... He let his pride get in the way and tarnish, if you will, his, his record. Let's take a look at his son. There's a chapter on him, but it's a short one. Jotham was 20 and 5 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem because there's a co-regency involved. His mother's name also was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Uzziah did, howbeit he entered not into the temple of the Lord, and the people did yet corruptly. So he did pretty well, but the people still are uh, under too much leniency here. They don't, they're not doing what they should be doing. He built the high gate of the house of the Lord, and on the wall of Ophel he built much. Moreover, he built the cities and the mountains of Judah, and the forests he built castles and towers. He fought also with the king of the Ammonites and prevailed against them. And children of Ammon gave him the same year a hundred talents of silver and ten thousand measures of wheat and ten thousand barley. So much did the children of Ammon pay, pay to him both the second year and the third. So they, they had fallen behind their payment, so he, he uh, conquers them and brings them up to, up to snuff here. And uh, so... Apparently they, did, they then responded for about three years, after which their burden apparently was lessened a little bit. So Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord his God. Now the rest of the acts of Jotham and all his wars and his ways, are, lo, are they not written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah? His, he was five and twenty-five years old when he began to reign, and he reigned sixteen years in Jerusalem. Okay, And Jotham slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David, and Ahaz, his son, reigned in his stead. Now, Ahaz is another story altogether. So we're going to now look at Jahaz, uh, Ahaz in chapter 28. Now, when you look at all the kings of Israel, and uh, you realize that nor the northern kingdom went from bad to worse, and the other, other lasted a couple centuries longer, I just want to call your attention, we're talking about Ahaz in the southern kingdom, don't confuse him with Ahab, a very, very bad king in the north. They're not contemporaries. Many people get Ahaz, Ahab. Ahab, husband of Jezebel, early in the northern kingdom, the, their nemesis was Elijah. We're now in the southern kingdom, much some generations later, 
Ahaz, different guy. Not a cool dude, but a different guy. Ahaz was 20 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. But he did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord, like David his father. David his great-great-great-grandfather, but anyway. And he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and made... Mo now that's bad news. See, Israel was idolatrous. For he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and made also molten images for Balaam. And so, it's... Uh, now there's... If you're starting to reconcile these things, he reigned for... co-reigned about four years with Jotham and then alone for 16 years. And so, he was an evil king. Ahaz is in the south, an evil king following the pattern of the northern kingdom, which were wicked. And we're about now, the northern kingdom is on the verge of falling to Assyria. They're almost over. The northern kingdom is about to cease to exist. But moving on. Moreover, he burnt incense in the valley of Hinnom. And uh, so, boy, more to start on this one. Anyway, Valley of Hinnom, and burnt his children in the fire. He burnt his own children, offered them to these, to Moloch and all of this. After the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord did cast out before the children of Israel, he sacrificed also and burnt incense in the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. It's hard to grasp the insanity of paganism. It's hard for us to imagine people uh, making those kinds of commitments. We can visualize people not taking the living God seriously and indulging in side nonsense of some kinds, but somehow the commitment to this kind of stuff is astonishing. And uh, we're having trouble in our old culture today trying to understand Islam. Most people have no grasp of how virulent that commitment to insanity is. And uh, it's, just, uh, it's just it's something beyond our imagining. You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Chuck Missler, teaching through the book of 2 Chronicles. For a complete listing of resources available, please visit khouse.org. You can also call us on 1-800-K-HOUSE-1. To learn more about Koinonia Institute, visit koinoniainstitute.org. Thank you for listening to 6640 and for your continued prayerful support of this ministry. Until next time, as we continue this series, may God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word. Music